0: We're uh, discussing this uh, matter of keeping uh, from stumbling the real truth about the Holy Spirit. In John 15 and 16, it's uh, my observation or my suggestion here. One of the things that uh, Jesus is dealing with here, and I think it's implicit in uh, learning to live the Christian life, at least for me, has always been figuring out or trying to understand what is the Holy Spirit's part in a situation and what's my part? Anybody ever ask one of those kind of questions? What is, what is the Holy Spirit's part in this particular situation or circumstance? And what's my part? And, and I've found over my life, I've, had, I've stumbled at times because I either assumed too much responsibility that the Spirit was taking, or I didn't assume enough responsibility of what I was uh, to do at that point. Uh, I have a great friend uh, in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, named Richard Mansfield. And he's a wonderful guy, worked with the gangs, has, has been involved in a great church. And one day a lady in his church came up to him and told him about a pretty significant need. And Richard said, well, let's pray about it. And uh, so they're praying. And, and she actually had a very, like a specific need, a certain amount of money. And he's praying and, you know, asking God to provide and do something. And Richard, when he gets through, this is the kind of guy he is, Richard just said to her, you know, I really enjoyed praying with you like that, and the Spirit of God just told me to give you the money. That's his part, you know. He thought, well, you know, I can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do something. But he said, you know what, as I'm praying, I have the distinct impression that that's my part. And so he gave her the money. And uh, what, a, what a great, great thing. But I think that's a challenge at times for us because of that. And then knowing what is the real truth here. You know, what, what, what's the truth about this matter, if you will, of uh, the Holy Spirit? When I think of truth, I think of my father-in-law, Becky's dad, who passed along a few years ago. And, and Arnold was a really smart guy. I mean, with numbers, man, he, you could uh, give a number to him or rattle off some numbers and he could you know, divide and add and all kinds of stuff. But I remember one time uh, we were there, or she was there, and uh, talking about finding, you know, kind of, here's a guy that's gone to church for 50 years. And you think, you know, what do people really know? You know? So Becky and a friend were there and and uh, Arlen was asking some questions and said, so how about your family? And this friend of ours said, well, my brother lives in California and he's a paralegal. And Arlen went, oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> I think he got a word confused here. <laughs> he didn't know the truth of that term. And it got worse. He, he started talking and saying, you know, that, that Paul... He talk, you know, he, he'd had a tough life, too. That Paul had a tough life. You know, he was preaching one night, and the preacher went along so that Paul fell out the window, which is completely opposite. Paul falls out the window, hits the ground, and the dogs licked his blood up. Now, Jezebel, Ahab, Paul, and Eutychus, all of that. Uh, you, try, you try to sit at that table and, and not smile. Right. Yeah, you try to sit there and go, mm-hmm, it really was. So sometimes the truth is hard to come by, you know. Sometimes it's hard to get the truth even in matters uh, that we uh, know about. And so I want to look at this again about the truth. We 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 ended last week uh, in, in a way that I, I didn't get finished. Uh, I know that's a shock to you. Uh, I didn't get finished with this, and there's an area here Uh, that I want to look at because I think it's so important. I said to you last week, and I want to say this again and suggest it to you. I think last week we talked about the, the, the truth of the Spirit is that what we've done is we've truncated or we've cut the gospel in half in some ways. We understand in John 1 that Jesus is called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and we get that and we talk a lot about it. later in that same chapter John also says this is he Jesus who will baptize you in the holy spirit and i want to suggest to you that we need both understandings of the gospel not only the matter of the lamb of god that deals with our pardon but the holy spirit of god who deals with our need with power and without both of those i'm just going to suggest to you we're running at a pretty low bandwidth that if we don't understand that John said both of these things about Jesus in the same time, that Jesus is both the Lamb of God and the one who baptizes, initiates, brings us into a life of the Spirit. Now, I talked a lot about that last week, but I think it's critical. I want to I keep saying this to us because I'm afraid that sometimes when we think about the gospel, all we think about is Lamb of God, which that's wonderful. That is wonderful. But we don't think about or talk about this necessity or this importance about baptism or introduction. Baptizo is many of of going under of the idea of coming in to be initiated or experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And in my judgment, my opinion, if we don't have both of those, we don't have the gospel. We don't have the gospel. We only have pardon and not power. And my suggestion is that this is where Jesus then speaks to this point so much here in John 15 and 16, as I told you, the longest section in the New Testament that refers to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to look at again. If you'll begin with me there in verse 26 of chapter 15, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify about me, and you will testify about me also. I'm going to stop right there. We're not we're going to stop there, hopefully. But this is, is the nature of the Spirit or the Helper. We discussed that last week, but I want to I want to go a little further with this. The, the, the nature of the Spirit or Helper. The word here uh, that is referring to the Holy Spirit is parakletos. It is translated Helper. It's a translated Advocate. It literally means someone who is called To be alongside you. Para means alongside and kletos means to call. It is literally the helper or the advocate or this one that Jesus refers to is the one who is called to be alongside you. Not ahead of you, not behind you, beside you. The imagery here I think is really important. That the nature of this spirit, the nature of the Holy Spirit, advocate, helper, partner, comforter. the All all of these terms are trying to get to the idea that the Holy Spirit is there to be with us, not in front of us only. You know, we sometimes think about following the Spirit. I understand that. I, I believe that. But the critical feature or the essential understanding of this one's name is to be alongside you, the helper, the advocate, the partner. Now, now, I wrote this because I, in my notes because I thought I want to talk about something in this area that, that helps us to be able to understand the Spirit's ministry. Uh, this word partner is what I used, or helper or advocate. It is the one to help us and guide us. There's somebody else, though, that's in the picture that we ought to think about. Think about it now. Here's the Holy Spirit, the helper, the advocate, the the comforter. There's another one that we have to deal with called diabolos. Diabolos. That's the word we get the word devil from. And it's always been fascinating to me that the word comforter or the word parakletos is someone who is called to your side to help, Right? Someone's called to your side to help. That's why it's advocatus, or the Latin is the one who advocates for you, the one who speaks in your behalf. He is speaking your behalf. The word diabolos means somebody who slanders you and accuses you. It's been my experience that there are many people that have confused these two voices. The sense of accusation or the sense of condemnation or the sense of, if you will, um, uh, not measuring up is sometimes confused with the advocate, with the comforter, with the counselor. And our failure here on this point, he says he's the helper, he's the counselor, he's the comforter, he's the one. I wrote it like this. The spirit always comes to help us. The devil always comes to... To harm us, let me talk. Say that the the spirit always comes to help. He's not there for any other reason but to help, not to harm. The the spirit. I I, I wrote a few of these here that that maybe are alongside because what what I uh, what what I what I what I realized in this process is that it's important in my judgment that we understand when is the spirit dealing with me. Who is this, you know? Who, who is this? And we understand his name is helper, advocate, partner. But sometimes we confuse what we think is the Spirit with even words of self-hatred. I, I remember reading years ago that one of the words for the Holy Spirit is this helper or the counselor for us, counselor, some translations. And the word devil is the against counselor. I tried to be creative the other day. I was flying back, but I didn't get all these all tightened up. But here's what I want to say to you. The Spirit is always going to come so you can fix what's wrong. The Spirit is always going to come to me and you to fix what's wrong. What the devil's going to come do is point it out, and you know it's true. There it is. But he comes to paralyze you paralyze you. When are you ever going to admit you're just not going to make it? The devil's voice, the devil's coming is not, he's not there to help. He's there to paralyze. He's there not to correct things or to fix things because if we correct things and fix things, then we're walking what? In the spirit. Is that what the enemy wants you to do? No. I said to you a couple of weeks ago, What I've recognized here and understood in this ministry is the devil always comes to depress and to make you fear and to make you think there's no hope. When the Spirit of God is coming, there's always, it's specific and it's fixable and there's hope. It's specific and fixable and hope. When the Spirit is correcting us or disciplining us, it's critical that we understand. He has come alongside to what? Help us. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church that, oh, and I'll talk about this later. I, I, there was a guy in my church that thought every time the Spirit of God dealt with, just beat the living daylights out of him. I told him, you know, I, I have a tendency to speak when I maybe should think. But I just told him one time, I said, You're sick. <laughs> and I was his pastor. Again, another reason. <laughs> I just told him, I said, You're ill. You're sick. If you think that when God is dealing with it, He's trying to beat you up. That's the diabolos, the against counselor. That's the one who wants you to give up. That's the one who wants you to rehearse all your failure. That's the one who does not want you to fix this at all costs. So He works to paralyze you. He works to cause you to think there's no hope. He works to get you to despair so that you won't dare do anything to respond to the helper, is this making sense? I heard a lot of this when I was growing up in my own head and heart. Now, I, 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 let me let me let me back up. I, I, I wrote this too. I said, you know, sometimes we've reduced the ministry of the Spirit because we're so we, we have so much guilt and shame, and every time we feel bad, we think it's the Spirit. So we flip the other way that this partner is just you know always there. Just to encourage us and ever saying I wrote in my notes, I said, it's kind of like the grandma in Dr. Doolittle. Hercules, 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 Hercules. Right? That's not the spirit. Remember that little boy at the table and he's goofing around his grandmother? Hercules, Hercules. Listen. I was in an airplane yesterday. I think that oxygen just pressed my brain all together. Listen, the comforter, the helper, listen, the comforter, the helper, he hates sin. But he doesn't hate you. Okay? Look, the comforter, the advocate, the helper, he hates sin. But he doesn't hate you. I mean, we get this all mixed up. The diabolize He hates you. He he wants to destroy us. The Holy Spirit loves us. And in seeing what's destroying us or what is at risk to harm us, He wants that stopped. This is difficult sometimes to deal with. Liz uh, Lovis was talking to me after class, and I it, it, something I wanted to share with you, that, that you know, the the Spirit's work, the Helper, the one who defends, the one who's your partner, is is like your GPS. You ever you ever plug in your or dial in your GPS? And I do it every once in a while just to. I said to Becky, watch what this watch what this does. <laughs> and you put in and you take a wrong turn, it doesn't come on. Hey, stupid! <laughs> Unless Becky prog- programs that in. <laughs> You know, it doesn't say, okay, stupid, who taught you how to drive? Right? Some GPS will say, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Or it will say, when it's safe, turn left. You know, it's like we think when we fail or do something wrong, the Spirit hates us. He doesn't like what we do. He wants us to deal with that. But He loves us. When you are listening, or when you and I are, if you will, uh, living our lives, who are we listening to? If that voice that's condemning, that's harsh, that says give up, wants to paralyze you, don't try to fix it, resist that voice. When you hear the voice that says, okay, this is not good, this is not what I want, but here's how we're going to deal with it. We can fix this. And we can go on. Listen to that voice. And for some of us, here's my, one of my life verses. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are spiritual to the tearing down of spiritual strongholds. Listen to this. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What are you doing? What's your part? What's my part? Take every thought. Ask it this way. Okay, I'm taking this thought captive. I'm going to put it through this grist. Is this thought or is this idea causing me to have hope and I can fix this and we can deal with this? Or is this thought causing me to say, give up, forget it, and be paralyzed? Take it captive. We let too many thoughts run through our head. We let too much of this and we ascribe it well, it must be the Spirit, when in fact it is. So I want to ask you to think about this. I, I just, last week at the end, I just, I wanted to press this a little bit, because listen, there's another one. There's a diabolos, the against counselor. D-I can be translated against. The against, you got the against counselor out there, and then you've got the Holy Spirit, the counselor. So I want you, I asked you last week to do something. I said, Put it on a sheet of paper, something like that, that, that the Holy Spirit's your partner. Now, this is what I want you to do. What if today you print the words, for me, on the surface of where you printed partner last week? I got a big sticky note, put it on my lamp in my office, and just said, partner. So when I leave in the morning, I ask you to think about this. That when you leave each day, that you remember that you have a partner. He's right beside you. He's with you. He's not against you. This week, put under that word, partner, or above it, to say, You know what? This partner is for me. This partner is for me. So, that's a way to do that. Let's go to the next one here on the next matter about the truth. The work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit. Jesus says, when I send the Spirit, He's the Spirit of truth who will proceed from the Father. Now, for any of you church history buffs, uh, this phrase right here in 26, who proceeds from the Father, is what split the Roman Catholic Church from the Greek Orthodox Church. One word, proceed. Uh, if you're interested, we can talk about that. But that's how theologians make their living, you know. One word, we start a whole new movement. <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just, it is. <clears throat> he will testify about me. I, I want to ask you to watch this, and I'll put it up here on the board. It, it's on your, well, it's on your handout. The work of the Spirit here is I see it is um, there's a literary device here called interchange. And interchange means the alternating of material. On number one, you can fill these out. We're not going to get to all of them today probably, but make you feel good. Number one is the actions of the Holy Spirit to the world. Number two is the actions with the followers of Jesus. The actions with the followers of Jesus. Number three, the actions with the world. And number four, the actions to the followers of Jesus. It's fascinating to me here. It's called interchange. That this is alternating. In other words, it's like A, B, A, B, A, B. It's alternating. That the ministry or the work of the Spirit certainly, if you will, comprises or operates in two areas. One is it, the operation of the Spirit with the world, Are those who would be considered not followers of Jesus. The other grouping has to do with the work of the Spirit with the followers of Jesus. We'll look at that. It, 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 it's a literary device that often authors might use in order to strengthen, if you will, this understanding of this work, that it's multifaceted. But it involves two different categories. The Spirit is active in the world and the Spirit is active in the life of followers of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up uh, thinking that uh, whenever I did any kind of work or any kind of ministry uh, that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't show up till I did, right? <laughs> any of y'all think, think that? Yep. Not about me, about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. So look what Jesus says. He will testify about me. And you will testify also because you've been given, been with me from the beginning. So the first action of the world here is in 1526, is that the Holy Spirit will testify. The Holy Spirit will give witness to the work and the life of Jesus. He will testify about me. And this has this notion, this idea that the Spirit is active in the world, working, testifying. The the, the word here of martyreo or the idea of giving evidence for me. Giving evidence for me. He will witness about Jesus here in this context. And I love what Jesus also says in 27. He said, you'll witness too. Now, you know, the word witness here suggests something that's true based on experience. We get the word martyr, martyreo, it's not the idea of having to die. It's the idea of one's life or one's experience testifying to that. So that the Spirit of God is going to be working, he says here, to testify about me. I've I've come to that point now that when I realize when I'm out doing ministry, well, you know, wherever I am. Yesterday, uh, we sat by a lady on the plane who was from a different country, from a different religion, and I'm sitting there with my iPad, and I'm uh, just, uh, you know, before... Because when you're on an airplane, you always have to witness in case it crashes, right? <laughs> right. It's a good good plan. I mean, before years ago, no kidding, years ago, I I thought, okay, I, I have to. This time, Becky's between us, and of course, this lady likes Becky lots better than me, and uh, we're we're sitting. There, and I'm just saying, okay, anything here need to be done? Does the spirit of God do anything here? Is there? And I I heard Becky say the word Bible and went, (laughs) you know. And then I'm thinking, okay, am I being nosy now? You know. But see, the Spirit of God is in the world testifying to people. He's using others. He's using you. He's using me. He's using people's experience in their life. He's out there. I, I think I lived with a lot of pressure As a follower of Jesus, it was all on me. So remember, again, the struggle is going to be what's on him, what's on me. Anybody else feel that? I mean, it's like, you know, you had to to witness anything that moved, you know. I remember witnessing to a guy at a gas station while we're filling our car up. Hey, hi, if you were to die tonight, I mean, I'm serious. It was like, you know, I got to the point I didn't want to be around people because I felt like I had to always do something. Instead of saying, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? You didn't go to bed last night. You're working with people. He says here he will testify about me. I live with a lot more confidence now to say that it's not my job by myself. Notice it says he'll t- and you'll do it too. He says you'll do it too. But he starts with the spirit. He says, "Hey, the spirit's going to tell." Oh, oh, and by the way, you will too. The word here: testify, witness. Is the idea of like a witness on a witness stand. What did you see? What happened? Where were they? You have to make anything up. Here's what I wonder about my life. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I wonder about me. Is there enough up-to-date stuff going on in my life that there's anything to talk about? I'll say that again. Is there enough up-to-date stuff about my life with Jesus that there's anything to talk about? As a witness, here's what happened. I don't have to make this up. Here's what happened. Here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. Is there enough up-to-date information, enough up-to-date experience that I can witness to what God is doing? I have a friend who's a pastor in Philadelphia, large African-American church, great guy, Milton Granham is his name. And Milt does a lot of tra- Milton does a lot of traveling. And... Uh, when when he leaves before he goes on a trip, he'll pull his staff together and he say, "Okay, uh, Bob," he says, uh, "I'm gonna be gone uh, Thursday or Friday, whatever it is." He's got you know m- multiple staff like six or eight or ten people on staff, and he'll say, "Now uh, I'm gonna be gone, and if something were to happen to the plane uh, where we get delayed or something like that, you're preaching." <laughs> Think like two days, and he said, "Here's your topic. What?" Has the Lord done in your life lately? (laughs) Everybody gets the same topic. Okay. (laughs) What has the Lord done in your life lately? Hmm. The witness of the Spirit is what's going on now? Not just in the past. The past can be wonderful and we can talk about it. What about now? Anything new? Anything going on? The Spirit's going to speak and testify about Jesus? And you will too. You will too. The word witness here, I, I, I do think it's interesting. There are other verses, so I'm, I'm not trying to make a complete uh, a theory here. But I, I follow a guy on the, uh, uh, some you know, it's Carl Medeiros. Carl's written the best book on evangelism I ever read. It's called Speaking of Jesus, The Art of Not Evangelism. (laughs) It's great. Some of you, I think, have read it. When he said, my job is not to defend Jesus or argue about Jesus or to convince people about Jesus. My job is to tell people what Jesus is doing in my life. And then the Spirit has to take that and do something with it. It's It's just not my job. Now, I'm not saying there are the verses in Titus where it says, contend for the faith that was delivered once to you. I I understand that there's a place for that. But the Spirit's work to the world is where we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit to just tell this is what's going on. Yeah. Uh, It's a book, Doug. You have to read it. (laughs) Yeah. She read it to you? Okay. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, speaking of Jesus. <clears throat> speaking of Jesus. Speaking of Jesus. The art of not evangelism. Carl Medeiros. M-E-D-E-A-R-I-S. And, and what the point of it is, again, is as the, the Spirit witnesses to the world, the Spirit com- communicates about Jesus, we do it as well d- depending on Him. Now, I'm going to go to the next one here on this is actions. Oh, that was it there. (laughs) Actions with the world. That's number one. We just did that one. Number two, actions with followers of Jesus. Now, I'm going to skip down because Jesus is talking about persecution here uh, in verses 1 to 3. And then he says in 4, But these things I've spoken to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you them. You know, the spirit he's talking about here, I've said these things that, listen, when I, I've told you this so that when the hour comes, you'll remember. But now I'm going to him, verse 5, who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things, sorrows filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. This is a crazy statement here in my judgment verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, can you imagine walking with this guy Jesus and seeing all these miracles and being around him for days and having opportunities? Hey, it's going to be better for you for me to leave. That's when I would have done a little arguing. I would have said, are you out of your mind? Right? I know he's a son of God, but I'm just saying, wait, let's just think here for a second. You know us. <laughs> You've been around us, but but the idea, it's to to your This is why I'm saying this is part of the gospel we're not talking about. It's to your advantage that I go away, not just die on the cross, go away. Because if I don't, the spirit will not come. Now, there's a lot of technicalities here in this regard, but some possibilities. What does it mean that it's your advantage? One is Jesus is referring to this advocate or this one called to our side. When Jesus is here, he can only be at one place at a time with one person or one group. Jesus is saying there's a presence coming, the Holy Spirit, that when I leave, I'll be able to send him to all of you. you'll, You'll be able to experience the presence of the Spirit on an individual basis as a community in ways that you can't right now. I wrote in my notes, Jesus was external. He was there. You could touch Him. You could talk to Him. The Holy Spirit is internal. The Holy Spirit is internal. That's a possibility that He's just saying, look, there's something greater. As I reflected on this over the years, I've thought, you know, the, the gospel really teaches us that there really is something incredible about it to say you have the opportunity to have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Himself would say, that's better. I I don't know that I understand that. I'm too tied up to this physicality of being able to touch Him and talk to Him. Would Jesus say to you and I, hey, you know what, Cliff? You got it better than my disciples. Wait a minute. Yeah, because you have the presence of the Spirit in a way they could not. Just just let that rattle around your head for a little bit. That you and I are at an advantage over the disciples in the reality or the experience of the Holy Spirit. And I told you before, it's why we have a Pentecost party here every year. I am absolutely convinced. My mind's made up, so don't even argue with me about it. (laughs) Because Pentecost is the goal of everything that God ever wanted to do. That's why He said to the disciples after He'd risen from the dead and is standing before them and all and saying, You're not ready. Wait. Go to Jerusalem. You're not ready. This thing isn't over. And yet, most evangelical churches don't even know when Pentecost is. We celebrate Christmas. I'm glad. You know, I wear a 44 coat. No, I'm just... <laughs> Stop it. I'm, just, I'm telling you, pressurization does something to my brain. I love Easter. You know, we're not serving a, a memory, a, a dead Savior. But goodness gracious... This notion, this understanding that now the presence of the Spirit is available to all the followers of Jesus. That's the gospel. Lamb of God, baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We've got a truncated view. Lamb of God, pardon. Baptizer in the Holy Spirit, power. So it's when I you know when I read that years ago, I underlined the word advantage. I wrote, my I thought this is nuts." It's Your advantage now. Now why 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 we not send it till I go away? Uh, here's another possibility on this advantage thing. John seven earlier says that Jesus at the great feast of of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of of the, the water festival. I Just forgot the name of it. Weeks. No. Nope. What is it? It's John seven 37, 39. I'll get it to you. Uh, Jesus said, Everyone who thirsts, let him come to me. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he said of the Spirit who had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here's a fascinating truth. The Spirit doesn't come until He can come to glorify and speak about Jesus. One author I read some time ago said that the Holy Spirit is the shyest member of the Trinity. He's the shyest member. Because He comes, we're going to see this later, He doesn't talk about Himself. He only comes to talk about Jesus. He comes to glorify me, we'll see that later in this chapter someday, but uh, we get there. Uh, that that he comes to glorify the Son. So Paul, Jesus is saying, "Look, it's your advantage. I go away because if I don't go away, he's not coming. He's not here to talk about God the Father. He's not here to talk about what we ought to do. How he's here to bring glory to me. You know, if there's if there is such a thing as a spiritual Geiger counter, whenever I get to a place, and this is where I think we've we've had problems. We we. Uh, uh, our, we're afraid to talk about the spirit because we've seen so many excesses you know we have. My spiritual Geiger counter goes off whenever I get into a place where the spirit is being glorified or the spirit is being talked about a lot or the spirit is the focus of attention or the church is the focus of, or some preacher or leader, my spiritual Geiger counter says that when the Spirit is present, He's going to be making much of Jesus. That's where He is. He comes to glorify. He didn't speak of Himself, He didn't talk about Himself. What we need to know is that Jesus is saying here, if I leave, He'll come. You know why? Because His work, His ministry is to bring glory to me and honor. Might also be, he says, it's your advantage that I go away. For if I, don't, if I don't go away, I'll not send it. Here's the other possibility. The other matter is, the other matter is that he knows that with ourself, there's no power in witness. He started out and said, the spirit's going to be the one who witnesses. The spirit is the one who does the witnessing. We come along and give our evidence, but the spirit Come listen I've talked to people and argued with them and made the most wonderful presentation and like that and they say nope I can't I can't make them I can't bring them to that point of understanding only the spirit I want to get down to this one real quick before we finish It's action with the world 8 to 11 and when he comes he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because i go to the father and you no longer see me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged this is this speaking again we started with the work of the spirit with the world to witness to the world and we work with him the second one is the ministry to believers now is the actions of the world. I'm going to ask you to consider something here. New American or New England Standard here says, "When he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin." Uh, different translations use a little bit different word. I want to suggest a word. The Greek word is elegeo, and it carries the idea. Let me read you. Uh, I, I know what I've. But it means this. It really is a term that comes out of the courtroom. Now, remember, some translations translate the Holy Spirit this advocate or the, the the defense counselor, defender. The Spirit's work here is to convict the world of sin. But Leon Morris says it like this: the term "convict" means the result of cross examination for the purpose of convincing i teach my students this i think we've got the word convict all as my mom would say gommed up and when somebody gets convicted they're going to jail and it carries with the idea of finality i want to suggest you this word comes right out of the legal world that jesus is saying in addition to this is this when the holy spirit comes he's going to convince the world I tell my students this the reason you still sin and monkey around, or I do, is not because we're not convicted. We feel bad. What is it? We're not convinced. We're not convinced. You you get some you can get somebody where they feel terrible about something. Oh, I know it's terrible. I shouldn't be doing that. But I'm not convinced. That the Spirit comes not to convict and condemn the world or to bring the world in some kind of finality. He comes to convince the world. This is what you've done. And it carries in our understanding more of an idea of reasoning with people or at least the Spirit is trying to bring some reasoning to them instead of some finality to them to say the Spirit comes to convince them. I don't know about you, that helped me. When I was studying that some years ago to say, "Listen, I'm here to let the spirit do his work and and I'm trying to to bring you to the point of convincing, not convicting, not making you think it's all over, not that you're done, but to bring some convincing to the truth you know was it Abraham Lincoln said I saw his mind we I took Becky to d c this weekend and or week and we goofed around there and and uh What he he said, you know, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. You know, you force somebody into something. You make somebody think something. Their opinion hadn't changed any. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to just blow us over and, and, and scare the living daylights out of us and just frighten you beyond belief to where you're just convicted. You feel like a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And all of that and, you know, here's all that, and you, But you're not convinced. I want to suggest to you the work of the spirits of the world is to convince them. Maybe I'm different than you, Hope, in a lot of ways, but you're not like me. But it settled me down. I'm not here to convict a person. I'm here to allow the Spirit, through His work, to convince someone. I had a guy one time I was witnessing to, and I'd shared as much I knew as the gospel as I had, and he said, I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Nope. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to try to convince you or press you or push you to do something you're not convinced about. Why, why would I want to do that? I told you again, this guy in my church, he would come to me after church and boy, well, Pastor, you're preaching today. I thought, what do you mean? His name was Paul. He's dead now. I don't know what that has anything to do with it, but yeah. He could probably just hear me. But he would say, Man, I could tell you were preaching the spirit was here tonight because I'm really, you were really stomping on my toes. See, this guy had the idea of conviction, not convincing. And he sort of lived like that. From beating to beating. <laughs> you know? ever gone to church where it feels like, okay, let the beatings begin. You know? Morale. Well, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> I had a friend that said that. They saw that in office. Yeah, the beatings are going to continue until the morale pr- improves. You can get people under conviction. They feel bad. They feel shamed. No change till they're convinced. Once a person's convinced, they willingly, on their own volition... Now, what is, what is Jesus trying to tell us? One is... I don't have the one. One is, <laughs> convince them of sin. Notice what He says there. Convince them of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. doing some research on this and continuing to study this, that really, in, in many ways, what we need to understand is that all sin is unbelief. When I sin or you sin, it's because I say to God, I don't believe you. I don't think you know what you're talking about. I don't think you understand the pressure I'm under. All sin has at its fundamental root an unbelief in the person of Jesus. Now, I, this, you know, I, again, I tell my students, this gets real personal. I grew up in a church that thought sin was just breaking a rule. As long as I didn't know the judge, I didn't care. <laughs> right? I got to know the judge. But when I was a pastor in Houston again, There were lots of times when I'd be driving down the road I'd think, I better settle down. There's about six police officers in my church. And I thought, you know, it's it's a little personal now. I wouldn't want Gary or Danny or Rob or Bob or any of these guys to pull me over and say, what are you doing, man? You're speeding. I know. (laughs) Why, it's personal now. It's not just breaking a law. It's not just, doing something wrong, I know, in some book. It's Danny having to pull me over. Or, 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 or Gary. These guys are police officers. I know them. They're in my church. Sin has this incredible personal quotient to it. You don't believe me, Cliff. Man, that's been the hardest pill for me to swallow. I know there's temptation. I understand there's an enemy trying to give you to but when But when I have to finally say, God, there's... There's an unwillingness on my part here to trust you. What is it? What is it that I don't trust you about on this one? What is it that I think I give myself a pass on this one and, and think I know more than you do on this, that I'm okay? That's made it real personal for me. It, it at least has caused me to say to God on different occasions, not what am I doing wrong? It's asking, what's wrong with my heart? What's wrong with my heart? Why don't I trust you here? What, what is it that I think that I know more than you do in this manner? For me, when Jesus says he's going to convince the world of sin because they don't believe in me, but when I read that, I wrote, underlined in my Bible, in me. In me. It's not that they don't believe Christian doctrine. It's not that they don't believe Christian teaching. It's not that they don't believe philosophical, the, the idea of the Christian. It's they don't believe in me. he's going to come and convince people that the, the the reality one author put it this way sin always puts self at the center sin always puts self at the center i'll make the call it's my choice I can do what i want to it only works in english so i mean it's okay i guess if it helps you remember but one author Said it like this: Sin is eye trouble. Sin is eye trouble. I am going to make the call. Now, again, I've said to my students before: There, you know, there are lots of things at times that I've had to make a call because I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It isn't sinful, you know. It isn't immoral. It isn't wrong. It, you know. I remember, you know, I told Becky we were trying to decide to come to to teach her at Mid America. I said, "What's so hard about this? Is it's you know, teach at Mid America or remain a pastor? You know, isn't teach at Mid America or be a bank robber? That's easy. I got that one. You know, or or or, or you know, or teach at Mid America or, or embezzle some money at work. Simple, right?" There are times when we have to make a decision. And it's hard and we don't know which, yeah, the best I know to do. It's the best I know to do. I can remember thinking back years ago, I thought, just before I got married, I thought, man, am I doing the right thing? You know? I mean, I was scared to death of Becky's parents. (laughs) Not her. No, she was nice. But I had to make a decision. Of course, she made me, but I'll talk about that later. This is when when I set up the right to say, I know what God said, or I know what He requires, and I'm not going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it comes back to I trust myself. And that's the rub right there. He says also that, he will judge or convince the world of righteousness. Isn't it interesting here it says, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Isn't it interesting? I, being right, righteousness is really a long you know, college word for being right. Being right. At the end of U.S. Marshals, Wesley Snipes says, righteous. How do you feel? He probably didn't see that movie, but that's what he said. It means being right. Listen, when Jesus goes to the Father, it proves he was right, the world was what? wrong. Isn't it fascinating? The world thought Jesus was a sinner when they were. He says, uh, the Spirit's going to convince them, listen, I've gone to the Father which indicates, which reveals, which declares I'm right. And then he says right here, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. It's interesting tense here. The Holy Spirit's going to come And convince people of the judgment that the ruler of this world... You know, as I've gotten older, I've watched this in my life and other people's lives. That the Spirit of God, I see bringing clarity and clarity to people. To saying, this world is not my home. And I'm not just talking to old people. I'm not that old. Yet. I'm talking about the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, I that's an interesting idea because it looks like he's pretty much in control still. (laughs) You know? Oscar Coleman, who's a great scholar, uh, uh, theologian, said it's like this because when Jesus came and as he enacted and as he uh, participated in the acts of, of atonement and then the resurrection and then the Holy Spirit, this world has been judged. Oscar Coleman said it's like this. We went yesterday, the other day, by the, World War II monument. What, a, what an incredible place. Kuhlman said it like this, because I had a guy in my church who was on the D-Day invasion. And uh, his name was George Peoples. And Kuhlman said it's like this, that every historian would say that on that day, on the beaches of Normandy, the outcome of World War II was settled. It was over. When that happened, the outcome had been settled. The mopping up, the enforcing all of that took time. And there were casualties and there were people who died. But the outcome was never in doubt. It was never a question. Will the Germans rally? Will they be able to get? He said, Coleman said, and this is exactly with the coming and the work of Jesus Christ. The outcome is settled. It is done. The ruler of this world has been judged. He has been brought to the court. He now will stand before God in final judgment in the future. But it is done. It doesn't mean he can't create havoc. It doesn't mean that he can't create trouble. But the followers of Jesus know that the work of the Spirit is to convince the world to say, you're on the wrong side. This thing has been judged. The ruler of this world has been judged. I don't have time to finish this as usual. But let me ask you something. Are you doing your work? Or are you doing the spiritual work? Now we live in a time. Listen. We, we live in a time right now. Where a lot of us are upset. And irritated. And all kinds of things. Our work. Is to witness. Our work. Our work. Part of this is to tell people what Jesus has done in our life the Spirit's work is to convince okay sometimes I think we think it's our job to convince them whoever our job is but Jesus says here there's a ministry to the Spirit to us and there's a ministry of the Spirit to the world if we get wrong like I said before, where the problem comes, we get to and We take on His job instead of ours. Or we don't take our job and His. So let me ask you today. What's your job? What's mine? What's our role to do? Is there something up to date you can tell somebody about this week that Jesus has done in your life? Are there people that you may be in praying about or trying to kind of twist arm a little bit to convince them that you ought to this week say, you know what, I'm leaving that to the Spirit. I'm going to tell people what you've done in my life. But the arm twisting, the convincing is not my job. It's not my job. And to walk into that with some confidence that the Spirit has a work with you and me and with the world. Let's pray. Now, Lord Jesus, as you know, as you said, it's to our advantage that you leave and to send the Spirit to be with us as we witness and tell people what you've done in our life. And you are out in the world convincing people through the power of your Spirit. Help us to take our role seriously and not assume yours. Help us to live with the confidence that we not only have experienced the Lamb of God who took away our sins, but we are experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit as we open our lives to allow you to live and work through us. This gives us confidence. It gives us hope. As we enter this week before us, we pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.